0: that's chumbacasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary, BGW group void We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
0: Welcome to the nerd
1: party. <laughs> Hello, Holonet patrons, and welcome to Aggressive Negotiations, the Nerd Party's Star Wars podcast that focuses on the unexplored regions of the Star Wars galaxy. I am one of your hosts, Jedi Master John Mills, and with me as always is my cohort, my traveling companion to the stars, Jedi Master Matthew Rushing. Matt, how are you doing?
0: I'm just trying to make sure that I've packed well enough to travel to the stars. Is it going to be cold where we're going? It's
1: It's very cold in Spain oh wait wrong franchise sorry yeah
0: i was gonna say yeah <laughs> yeah but i mean is there gonna be sand because that just gets everywhere
1: it does it does no you know I, I plan on taking a tour of uh the garden spot of hoth uh there is actually it's like the savage land in marvel comics there is actually a little little tiny garden spot very warm it's the only place where the sun shines all the time on hoth
0: uh, isn't that the place that all the tauntauns gather to
1: Yes, they dance, okay. and they yeah. have a good time. It's a festival. Yeah.
0: Why does this all of a sudden sound like uh, mythological? We're going to get fawns there as well, and some dryads <laughs> and no, Oh, no, Mr. And... Tumnus has shown up again. Oh, oh, yes. Wrong franchise, uh, As long sorry. as we can have tea and sardines, I'll
1: be fine. <laughs> <Dude>. <laughs> sardines are okay on pizza, but anywhere else is just terrible. Uh, yeah, anyway. Do you think they have sardines? they got to have sardines in Star Wars, right?
0: Well, I mean, uh, my... We already know that Naboo has tons of fish,
1: right? There so, you go. There's got to be sardines. So, I mean, we've seen
0: it. So they've got to be sardines.
1: Yeah. What if Gungans are sardines? That's a terrifying thought.
0: Oh, like no, yeah. that's no. No. I mean, maybe during the Empire's reign, but not <laughs> under the Republic.
1: You know, I could see, Well, anyway, we'll we'll double back to sardines and the Gungan people uh, <laughs> at some future date. <laughs> What we're going to be discussing today, actually, is something very near and dear to uh, Jin Erso's heart. Uh, You'll you'll see what I did with that in a second. Kyber crystals. Um, We're going to be talking about Kyber crystals here.
0: Well, the strongest hearts have hearts of Kyber.
1: Ooh, well pulled, my friend, well pulled. Well, Kyber crystals have been a part of the Star Wars lore since the very, very beginning, since the early drafts of uh, the original Star Wars, now known as A, ho- a New Hope, um, like or just the Journal of the Wills. John. There you go. The Kyber crystals have been there since the beginning, and they didn't survive to the final draft of Star Wars, but they have been around uh, starting all the way back. And this is this is where I want to first come in with the Kyber crystal here, okay? Because we're going to work our way up to Rogue One because they play a very pivotal role. In Rogue One, because they are a part of Jin's person, basically. And we find out in Catalyst that they play a very important role in the construction of a, a Death Star. And so, which I have to presume that means the Death Star, too, as well. But anyway, uh, we also know that they're part of Jedi lightsabers and Sith lightsabers now. But I want to go all the way back to 1978. I want to ask you have you ever read Splinter of the Mind's Eye?
0: I haven't. I know that makes me a horrible Star Wars fan. It uh, does not make to, you a horrible have, Star Wars have, fan. because I've not read it, John.
1: It's not a particularly good book. You're really not missing out on a ton. Well, um, well that makes me feel better. Yeah, it's, it's based basically on the idea of if Star Wars was a flop, uh, the idea, so the legend goes, is that it would have been an option for a low-budget sequel to Star Wars. So... Like most of the action takes place on one planet and one of the elements in it that comes back that rears its head is the Kyber crystal. What what was your first exposure to them? What was your first awareness of what a Kyber crystal was? You know, was it before the prequels came out? What was your, what was your point of attack for it?
0: I honestly don't remember when the first time was. I remember becoming aware of it because of hearing about Splinter of the Mind's Eye. I haven't read it. But I know about it, and I remember reading about the idea of the Kyber crystal being a, you know, like a focal point, like you said for the Force, and so being aware of that, and then, uh, and I'm sure I think it just came from uh, all the reading stuff that I did, becoming aware that the Kyber crystal became what was in the Jedi lightsaber. Yes. Uh, and that, that was the thing that the special thing that helped focus the lightsaber through the force, uh, in, in a way that created what we call the lightsaber effect, you know, it's, it's what brought it all together. So for me, it was early. I mean, it was early, you know, there was, by the time I saw Star Wars, uh, you know, it was on VHS and then, um, you know, especially uh, probably somewhere around the 90s where all the proliferation of Star Wars stuff started to come back, especially with the special editions. Right. You started to get a lot more reference material for everything. Uh, you know, uh, the uh, how it's made books, you know, uh, right. and the uh, those cross-section books with all of those kind of things. And all of that really, I think... Uh, was was somewhere in there Uh, kyber crystals became a thing to which i understood and what i really knew about them was they were the thing that was in the lightsaber that made it work
1: yeah what's really interesting and i i think we've you know this prove this provides an idea that things sort of like move full circle and sort of refine and re-refine through star wars lore i remember being aware of the kyber crystal because i read splinter of the mind's eye as a kid my dad read the whole book but when i was a kid i like i mean it's an alan dean foster book and god love him his books can be a little bit dry and so when you're true. when you're a young lad you know or a young lass you don't really make it through an alan dean foster book unscathed you're sort of like oh, i'm i'm not sure what's going on i'm kind of you know i kind of lost my way as it were my dad finished it but so my real awareness of them sort of came around tangentially with the role playing game because
0: oh yeah the west end role playing games
1: and what's really interesting to me is lightsaber lore has always been tied to the kyber crystals in a very real sense of you know of the focusing and everything but they they were originally lightsabers were originally sort of a dodge to explain why the effects of the lightsabers weren't consistent in the original trilogy when the role-playing game came out. And what's interesting to me is that now with Rogue One, we've come come back, and with Star Wars Ahsoka, another book um, that, that came out that's part of the new Disney lore, there's this idea now that the lightsaber itself is an expression of the Jedi's connection to the Force. Did you get that impression in the prequels? Because... If that's true, if that's the case, then for me it creates sort of sort of a hurdle in a couple of ways. Like but but did you take it that way that a Jedi had to be specifically connected to the crystal for the lightsaber to function properly or to be at full full strength? I got the idea that the lightsaber
0: was something very special in episode 2 when Obi-Wan says, this weapon is your life. Uh, And the idea that the lightsaber and the Jedi are connected. You know, the the, the design of the lightsaber, uh, my guess is the crystal that went inside it, that there was something almost spiritual about the connection between a Jedi and his lightsaber. Uh, I I picked all of that up from that conversation that they had, uh, and that there was... um, something very again it was it it went beyond just the and everybody dot you know dogs the prequels for making star wars less spiritual but when obi-wan hands that and says this is your life that that's not a physical thing to say when you're handing a physical thing and saying this is this represents something more than just you know this cylinder that Creates a, a right. light beam that you can cut things through. When you say that's your life, there's such a spiritual aspect. There's a metaphysical aspect to that saying. So to me, yeah, there was there was something very special about a, a Jedi, the lightsaber, and my guess was everything that went into its construction. Hmm. Um, and of course, that was only enhanced when we got into the Clone Wars and we had the Younglings arc, and we actually saw the collection of the crystal and that it called to a certain Jedi and that only they could see it and mm-hmm. that, you know, then constructing the lightsaber itself was even difficult to do because even if you had all the pieces, it only went together when you were completely one with the Force.
1: Yes, and I agree with you about that arc, but what what's interesting to me, the, the thing that I've, I've had a little bit of trouble uh reconciling, I guess. Or what what was a problem for me reconciling was if you if you go back to Return of the Jedi, when Vader turns on Luke's lightsaber, he says, You know, I see you've constructed a new lightsaber. Your skills are complete. Indeed you are powerful as the Emperor has foreseen. I always took that to mean and it was very much carried over to the role playing games, which very much informed my knowledge of the films. Uh you know, when I was playing them, the, the original D6 version, if anybody's curious or, you know, Bill Slavisek was was head on everything. But the lightsaber lore took a hit for me because, yes, you have that conversation in episode two. This weapon is your life. But then there are the two Jedi who just have the spare lightsabers who toss them to Obi-Wan and Anakin in the arena. And the thing is, it creates a, a minor inconsistency for me. Not something that I'm going to really like, you know, care about. It's like a nitpicky sort of thing. But we find out in Star Wars Ahsoka, and also sort of in a way with Rogue One, that the crystals themselves don't really have a color. The color that they transmit is a reflection of the Jedi's connection to the Force, and that's always sort of been part of it as well. But the the reason I, I hit on that is that when they threw those lightsabers to Obi-Wan and Anakin, Anakin had a green one, and Obi-Wan's, no, Obi-Wan's lit up green, and Anakin's lit up blue uh, when they were running off to Dooku. Anakin eventually fought with both of them. Or was it Anakin that was green? I I can't recall in the moment. Anyway, one of them was green, one of them was blue. If they were both, if those crystals always showed... A jedi's connection to the force am i then supposed to read that part of attack of the clones being that one of our beloved jedi is in a different state with the force or would that have been green no matter who lit it could it have been lit by somebody else because when when han lights the lightsaber he doesn't necessarily have a connection to the force right but it still works and it's still blue so have you ever had any trouble like sort of like reconciling all of this lore? Couple of things.
0: Uh one is that uh, Obi Wan has blue, Anakin has green in the arena. Um, my thought process is this. So go back to episode two to the Jedi Temple. Obi Wan walks into the room and who you know, Yoda is training the younglings. Right. They're all holding lightsabers there. But those are training lightsabers. Those aren't their lightsabers. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those lightsabers were created by Jedi to allow the younglings to train with them. Sure. Therefore, whoever created those training lightsabers, their connection with the Force allowed them to create the lightsaber and gave it a color. It always stays that color, regardless of who uses it now, because... It's been bequeathed, I guess, that color. The only time that a lightsaber would change color is if that lightsaber is being used by someone who's wielding the dark side. And that saber, as we learn in Ahsoka, is uh, being made to bleed, which is what we get with the red lightsaber. So um, when, you know, Obi Wan and, and, Anakin are tossed to those lightsabers in the the arena either those Jedi already had two lightsabers um, because we know Jedi carry more than one lightsaber sometimes uh, and so that could have been their spares although uh, although I
1: will say that at that point when the prequels came out the idea of Jedi carrying more than one lightsaber was not accepted as the rule like, or accepted, it was not accepted. Like, it was supposed to be a, a, a distinct delineation that the Jedi were always a one-blade, uh, you know, it, order. It, you know, it was one blade, and that that was what they were. It was never set in stone and never set on screen, so it could be, you know, it could be changed right. later. But right. I, I, I remember in the episode three Xbox game when they had the Jedi Guardians that used double bladed lightsabers it was like it was it was a thing that they had to like retcon and be like well it's okay for them to use them that you know that sort of thing
0: right and i i think that's uh, those are all limitations that were put on star wars by anyone other than george lucas because until he's like well that's the way it is you know uh it's not that way and so, and okay. I think, um, you know, obviously, I think the the big change came in the Clone Wars when Ahsoka was given two lightsabers. We see Pong Krell has two double-bladed l- yes. lightsabers, even though he turns out to be a D-bag. Uh,
1: <laughs> you know, so, uh, if anybody's uh, we, wondering, that's the arc on Umbara.
0: Yes, exactly. And he's the uh, Besalisk, uh Jedi uh, who is just a complete jerk. Um and, and we, uh, uh, we if anybody hasn't other, uh, watched Clone
1: Wars, Besalisk is what Dexter Jetster is, yes, the diner yes. owner from Episode 2. Exactly. So,
0: you know, I, I I think the idea that there's a connection with the Jedi that creates the lightsaber is, is definitely important, but I don't think it goes as far as you were taking it to where uh, that it's a mood ring. Uh, so whoever right. picks it up changes the color. Um, you know, every time Mace Windu grabs a lightsaber that's not his, uh, it doesn't go purple.
1: That's true. That's true. But his lightsaber was made specifically differently. And it was called out in the ads for episode two that it was Electrum. And so it's actually a different type of lightsaber than the typical Jedi lightsaber. That was their explanation for purple. When, uh, And we've made reference to this before. It was blue or green, and then Sam Jackson is the one who asked for purple because it was his favorite color. It was that was, and honestly, I think him getting a purple lightsaber is George Lucas being a really cool guy and saying, "You know what, Sam Jackson, you can have a purple lightsaber."
0: I I have a question on that then. Yeah. Um. So. In Legends, uh, we get the whole idea that mace windu is of a pod master a form that he created to channel his dark energy yeah. towards the light yes my question is is because of who mace windu is when he creates his lightsaber is it purple because it's reflecting that he's somewhere in the middle between blue and red
1: creating not? purple sure that works for me that absolutely works for me, and the, but the thing is, I'm glad you bring that up about the dark side because you mentioned the making the crystals bleed, because this is this is a point I want to sort of harp on. Okay, is and this is you know if you haven't seen Rogue One yet and you're listening to aggr- aggressive negotiations, I mean come on, come on guys, you, you you know you you've seen Rogue One by now, so this isn't a major spoiler, and I'm going to build up to this. But in Star Wars Ahsoka, you find out dark side users make the, the crystal bleed, and that's why their blades are red. But up until that time, it had been accepted that the reason that Sith lightsabers were red is because they could not get to the crystals that the Jedi controlled, and so they used synthetic crystals, which could only produce the red color, which conveniently, they're bad guys and they're red. Hey, that now has all changed. So, the question becomes, and it, this, is, this is, you know, you know how I think. Everybody should know how I think by this point. But, if the crystals are being manipulated to create the beams on the Death Stars, and it is dark side users who are driving it, and scientists being manipulated by the dark side, essentially, to create the Death Star... Should not the beam be the way it is with, uh, with Starkiller Base, should they not be red instead of green? Shouldn't the Death Star fire red instead of green since it is kyber crystals being pressed into evil service?
0: I think you're absolutely correct.
1: There's, there's no. No, space. you're supposed to fight me on this. Darn uh, no, it. No,
0: I, I, because of where they've taken the cannon, and I, I completely agree with you. And again, I can, you can even go to Catalyst, where the crystals themselves are working against Galen Erso. That he even mentions somewhere in his research, he's saying that he almost feels as if the crystals are working against him. Yes, uh, And so the the fact that they are being twisted by science towards this evil purpose of unleashing this power does seem like that they should be read. Because even if Galen Erso isn't a Sith, they're still being used for a, 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 an evil purpose. Now, the only thing I can say as a devil's advocate would be that... Neither Darth Vader nor Darth Sidious are involved in creating the Death Star and bending the crystals to their will. It's the scientists who are using just physical means to bend the crystals to their will. And therefore, they wouldn't be bled red because there's no dark side user imposing their will on them. Yes, they're being manipulated for an evil purpose, but they're not being manipulated specifically by a dark side user forcing it to their will. So that would be my other side. But I see your point, and I'm, I feel like George Lucas needs a you know special edition part two. <laughs> because you know, I would I- totally be okay with him changing that, honestly.
1: I like your escape route. I do. Um, That I think there's also a minor escape route because they're considered canon in those story reels that they released for Clone Wars. Uh, There's one arc where Obi-Wan and Anakin are trying to get a very large crystal. And the thing is, in these story reels, they're green.
0: And even if you look online, the art released for that shows the crystal being green. And... In Ahsoka, the book, they say the larger crystals, the the big crystals like that, can be found by somebody other than the Jedi. It's the ones that you put in a lightsaber that are small enough uh, that can only be visible to a a, a light side force user. The large well, crystals can be found by anyone, and there's huh. no... I don't remember in Ahsoka, and please just, just tweet us at, at Jedi Masters or hit us up on Facebook at... Facebook.com slash the nerd party, let us know. But I don't remember them saying that those didn't have any kind of coloration to them. So that could be that larger crystals actually have a color. It's only the ones that it seems as though the force has a hand in making the smaller lightsaber like crystals that, you know, become something that is influenced by a Jedi or a Force user because when Ahsoka creates her lightsaber, she takes it from a Inquisitor. Yeah. And she unbleeds the lightsaber and there is no color anymore because right. she's truly in the middle. And therefore, that's why she has white, which to me, if, it, if anything says anything about who Ahsoka is by the time that she's seen again in Rebels, she is an... In- important and very incredible character in the force because and it's indicated by her lightsabers I think
1: yeah I I I agree with you I and the thing is I I like your escape route uh, with that with the kyber crystals and the death stars I I would also think that it's worth exploring the idea that maybe there's something to tell about the fact that Luke eventually has a green lightsaber that there's some sort of tie there Um, you also have to wonder though and I think I think what spurred this discussion actually was a question that you posed to me Uh, the idea that the reason Luke is able to destroy the Death Star is that it is powered by well not powered by but the the focus the beam is focused through a kyber crystal and that is going to resonate with a force user. So technology isn't going to be able to make the correct shot. The Kyber crystal is essentially committing suicide to destroy the Death Star. It senses somebody, you know, because the Kyber crystals in the, in the, com, in the new lore, the Kyber crystals are basically an embodiment of the living force the way that the Jedi are. So, or
0: at least they're supposed to
1: be. Right, so is it possible that the crystal basically is, you know, yes, we know that Galen built something where the, you know, if you, if you set off a concussive force on the reactor, it's going to destroy the Death Star. Is the kyber crystal then saying, acting as a beacon, and saying, blow me up, I'm right here, and only a force user is going to be able to sense it?
0: Which is why Obi-Wan says, use the force, Luke. Right. Let go. And I think that's, uh, to me, it, it created a whole wonderful connection that the spirituality of Star Wars was so much more important. And, you know, it, it, was, it was so interesting, too, because especially reading Catalyst, watching something spiritual be completely scientized that's not even a word but uh, it is now it, and uh because everybody said that the the jedi did that in the prequels they just took you know metaphysics and they made it science but really the person who did that the most in star wars is galen urso and the team working on these kyber crystals they they used science just a physical means to take what is metaphysical and bend it to their will and yet, I feel like everything we're learning from kyber crystals about them is that, well, one, we know specifically from Catalyst, they fought back uh, the, the research. And, yes, doesn't that mean that it probably had an impact in Luke's shot, using the Force, making sure that it got to where it needed to go? That the crystal had the last laugh in the end on the Death
1: Star, <laughs> <laughs> and and on the second Death Star as well. As soon as the balance of dark and light tipped, you know the the crystal acts. You know as essentially, a, I don't know, you know it, it becomes a stretch. I think to say that like it protected Lando in any way, but maybe it it in some way spoke to his intuition or maybe Nine Nub's intuition about where to fly and and you know and and how to get to the core in the well, second and, Death Star. And,
0: um, and two, that as the balance of power is shifting in the fight, that that's when they fly into the superstructure. You know, right. like, uh, and so, yeah, that it's all working together, that the living force is driving everything and, and that the crystals are so much a part of that. And again, I think it's it's really special because when you think about this idea of of balance and, and the force that the crystals only show themselves to light side users, right? That they're the ones who keep evil at bay, and that that's where the balance is that evil doesn't rise so far above and destroy everything. There's always going to be a counter to that, and that is the light side user in tune and at one with the force. And has that symbol of the force with them, the lightsaber, a more elegant weapon for a more civilized age. And why is that? Because it's a weapon that requires you to look your enemy in the eye. It reminds me of, there's, there's the James Bond movie, Spectre, where M is talking to C. And he says, have you ever had to kill anybody? the reason we have men who have a license to kill because it's also a license not to kill. And that there's that decision that you have to make, and the best person to make that is the person who is looking that person in the eye, you know? And I think that's the same thing we get kind of with the Jedi and their lightsabers uh, and this connection with the Force. and, And yeah, I think the idea of kyber crystals and what... Lucasfilm has been giving us now and I'm pretty certain that this is the kind of stuff that was in meetings with Dave Filoni and George Lucas sure. on the Clone Wars, talking endlessly about this kind of stuff that's where this stuff is flowing from and it's to me it just makes my little Star Wars heart happy you know, like this is this is the sure. the meat and the, the the joy for me of Star Wars
1: well the thing that, that I think is really cool and I think you know I think that this is a this is a conversation that turns into something even bigger. And so I want to I want to throw one last thing out there because I think we could even we could even pursue this further. But tying the kyber crystals in now to the Force Awakens with the fact that Starkiller base fires off um, you know the the red beam showing that it is in fact something that is ministered by dark side users and kylo ren's you know unstable lightsaber showing that this is somebody who is not you know i'll be interested to see if his lightsaber is stable in episode eight i, I it, don't
0: think that person is quite entirely stable not yeah. entirely stable i'm so glad you're here to tell us
1: these things exactly. julie take the professor and plug
0: him in in the back
1: but but doesn't it become like with everything that we're learning now, everything that they're establishing with the Kyber crystal lore, and like you said, you're you know you're taking science and you're taking something that is an expression of the the spiritual, and yes, it exists in the physical world, but you can manipulate it and you can bend it to, you know, a a, a non spiritual means. Don't you wind up like Kylo Ren's lightsaber in and of itself seems to take more meaning because this is somebody who's Having trouble committing to the dark side, who's having a hard time committing to the dark side, and so his his lightsaber's instability makes even more sense because it's you know like it's reflecting that he is forcing himself to be evil as opposed to being sort of like naturally evil the way that I mean honestly Vader or Palpatine are.
0: We um, I haven't looked at the cross section book for the. Starkiller Base, but that does just suck a star, and so it, it's not. It, as far as I know, there's no Kyber crystal technology involved in Starkiller ah, Base. But there I could was be
1: wrong. there was a source book that was released that said that it was a planet that had been mined for Kyber crystals. Okay, okay, and so there, there was a go. very large de- deposit okay. at its core. Okay, and therefore. There you The kyber crystal, like, basically it's a core of, you know, it's like a milk dud, only instead of caramel on the inside, it's kyber crystals.
0: (laughs) Okay, that makes sense. There you go. And so, um, that combined with a sun's, uh, energy creates a red beam. I get that. Okay. Uh, Make sense and and thank you for making me look dumb in front of everybody. Everybody's like you're the, you one, that that the, sor- you're you the one that sent that me the link. You're the one that sent me the link about book? the planet. Oh my gosh, you're such an idiot! I can't believe oh, you didn't read that it. source. Stop it! You're the book. one
1: that you're the one that sent me the link. You're the only reason I even know this.
0: Oh man, and, okay, that just must be something I forgot. Um, it, so much Star Wars stuff, John. It's hard for me to keep everything track. Well, they and, keep know?
1: changing the lore, so that's it, that's you know, true. It's hard you're, to keep you're track you're of sometimes. Right
0: Now, um, I I do think that you're completely onto something with Kylo Ren. I think one of the things with him that is very interesting will be in Episode 8, is the lightsaber more stable? Does he have a new lightsaber he's constructed for himself? That is more in line with what we know of from Vader Palpatine. That's going to be an interesting question. I think it'll be a huge indication of where that character is going to go If his saber is still unstable in episode eight, I think we have an indication that there could be redemption in his future. If it's not, I think we have an indication that his heart has hardened and that he will be a character that will have to be struck down. That's my prediction uh, based on the lightsaber.
1: Yeah, I, I, you know, it's so... It's so interesting though, because, and I think this is something that that you know we've talked about before that that you know that I've often wondered about is that George Lucas created a galaxy, a reality, uh, a sub reality, I guess, that is so complex and rich that they can almost back their way into the the symbolism that he set up where no matter what even if you know for, for instance and you know th- this is an acknowledgement to you not a dig but like even if say for instance Force Awakens doesn't really work for you at first if they revise the Kyber crystal mythology and then you go back and you look at Force Awakens and you see the red beam and you see the you know the, the unstable saber like it almost provides this back door where you can say, "Oh wow, okay, well now I can make this fit in this richness that has existed before." So there's almost there's almost this thing where there's a, uh, a you like a built in richness to everything, so that even if something doesn't quite hit the mark for somebody when it first comes out, you can back your way into it and say, "Oh, okay. Well, now that I have Rogue One and it's explanation of the kyber crystals, Force Awakens this piece of it works better for me because I can take this from here and put it to there. So it actually makes me even more hopeful because in in this sense, I think it's a more complex and a uh, a richer expression of what they're trying to do with the connected universe stuff with Marvel Comics, where there's, they know that they can they can provide more explanation for how things work, as things go. Without you know without it feeling like a cheap cheat, the way that you know some of the stuff in Age of Ultron did or something like that. What right. do you think about that?
0: I, I think you're absolutely right, and I I, I think that you're. Uh you're you're creating a great argument because you're pulling specifically just from the films. And I think that's important because we have, when we talk as star Wars fans, we kind of get bogged down in the minutia of it all, the connected universe, like comics and books and all that stuff, you know, and, and you've taught me anything is that you, you have to think as just a baseline fan. And, so yes, um, and and again, that was my criticism of the Force Awakens is that I needed, I felt like I needed extraneous material, you know, the the ancillary materials to fully get the richness of that story. And but yes, if the films continue to add on each other like this, I think you're ex- absolutely right, and I think that's that's wise of them to do, and and I think it behooves them then to not just continue to make a Star Wars film every year because that's what we do but that if especially as we get done with the sequel trilogy to add to the films and the universe of Star Wars in cinematically it needs to be something paramount really important to show you on screen that you know couldn't just be a book or even a, a cartoon TV show or something you know what i'm saying like Uh, It really needs to be that thing that is quintessentially Star Wars special, needs to be seen on the big screen, and is also going to add to the lore in a way that riches your experience throughout the entire saga, which is exactly what Rogue One does and what makes it so damn special, is that it adds to the prequel trilogy, it adds to the original trilogy, it even is starting to add to the sequel trilogy, as we're talking about here, and hell, it even adds to Rebels and and the you know um, the Clone Wars. It's right. adding to it all, and that is what makes for a good connected story series. And uh, it, it, that's it, also it, why I'm not too frustrated when we talked about the idea of like is Rogue One to inside baseball because at this point as we add to the series we're making the movie for the fans of the films. So well, we mean, are it's it's okay for me to say you need to have seen most of the Star Wars movies to watch
1: this at this point. Well, th- this is the thing. This is my misread is I and and I think this is a good note to end on. I think that finally we need to deliver the listeners of this show. We have had the the honor of having Nick speak to us uh, with his thoughts about Rogue One. I think this is a good time to bring our Kyber Crystal discussion to a close. And this is where we will tease the fact that on our next one, we will talk about Rogue One. And its place with it, we've had time to let it sink in. To let our initial reactions mature fade blend in what have you so our next episode we will talk about rogue one and in specific about rogue one we will talk about this idea of the connected universe and how star wars is now approaching it so before we go though of course we we hate being remiss on this show (laughs) and so we John, won't be there's remiss.
0: nothing worse than remission there's nothing worse well so i mean what, unless you're a cancer survivor
1: and remission is good then we're 100 so. percent behind
0: remission yeah then point. we're 100
1: percent absolutely remission. we are yeah. we are <laughs> we endorse remission in that case yes but uh matt where can people find you online
0: uh, you can find me on Twitter at MattRushing02. I'm over there on the Instagram-y thing where we take pictures of, like, food and stuff at m MRushing. Uh, you can find me on the Trek FM network talking about Deep Space Nine with Chris uh, about— you can find me on the Trek FM network talking about Deep Space Nine with Chris on The Orb— also do the General Geek Show over there, the 602 Club. It's it's just a blast, guys. If you like Star Wars, if you like Bond, if you like Marvel, DC, I mean, you name it, we're talking about it over there. We're trying to talk about it. Keep up with everything. Check it out. We've got the 602 Club. Star Wars, the 602 Club collection as well. Find both of those on iTunes. You're, you're going to love both of them. Especially if you're a Star Wars fan, you're going to want all those Star Wars episodes. We've got some great stuff over there and My illustrious master, John Mills, here is there so often with me talking through different parts of the Star Wars universe, books, comics, TV shows, everything. And don't miss it. Talking in a brand new show, Owl Post, a Harry Potter podcast here on the Nerd Party Network with Drea Kaufman, chapter by chapter through Harry Potter. If you've never read Harry Potter, jump in with us. It's the perfect time. If you've read Harry Potter a thousand times, it's the perfect time to jump in with us. Uh, so if you're somewhere in between, jump in with us.
1: Huge hit, uh, I, I think that it, it's it's wonderful, and I've I've spoken with a number of people who love Alpost, and I love Alpost as well. Uh, wonderful idea, wonderful way. And especially, I want to say to uh, you know to any parents out there, if your kids are of the age where they're starting to get into Harry Potter, this is a great way to get into it with them, uh, and and to go a chapter at a time, and to have this this wonderful discussion with it. So, hats off to you, Matt. I Thank you, I, I really do. I think Al Post is a a wonderful wonderful thing. Uh, absolutely. Uh, you know, as you can guess, I'm I'm very effusive about it. I think it's wonderful.
0: <laughs> well, man, I, I really appreciate that. But uh, enough copious praise of of outpost. Uh, mm-hmm. Where can we find you, John? Because you're doing some pretty incredible things yourself online.
1: Well, uh, you can uh, find me as Castle Junkie on your social network of choice. Um, you know, with w- with my ramblings like uh, Colonel Kurtz up the river in uh, Apocalypse Now. You can also find me over here on The Nerd Party on Great Shot Kid with Mike Schindler, where we analyze the work of Star Wars creators both within and without the Star Wars galaxy. And Mike Schindler and I do a show over on Trek FM uh, Stage 9, which is basically what we do on Great Shot Kid, but for Star Trek creators. And you can find me co-hosting Words with Nerds with my pal Craig, where, you know, it's a little more freeform, a little nuttier than uh than most uh and we are typically drunk by the end of it so you know hey if you like that come on in and tune tune in to us so uh with that matt i think there's only one thing left to say i think that it's time to close negotiations john negotiations are closed
0: join the revolution